We are on a mission, a mission to save and revitalize independent pharmacy. On the Catalyst podcast, we dive into current events that are shaping how pharmacists approach their patients and their businesses. Fuel your passion for pharmacy one conversation at a time. Three, two, one, zero. Ignition. Welcome to the Catalyst Pharmacy Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Key, president of Pioneer X. Today, I'm here with Josh and Marsha. Hi, I'm Josh Allen, vice president of clinical strategy. Hi, I'm Marsha Bivens, director of marketing. Today, we're here with Eric Larson, owner of Prescriptions Unlimited in St. Cloud, Florida. You're in around the Orlando area, right? Yeah, we do a lot of work with the Optum now, which bought right. Davida. We were yeah. working with Davida for years. Yeah, we had that. a we had a big office just outside of Orlando. So what are y'all doing? Yeah. What are you doing with Optum? Yeah, so well, we vaccinate all their staff in offices and work with their regional um, on going to each of the providers' offices. So we did the COVID shots, and we're relaying that into a uh, some type of other clinics for their patients. Actually, in the future, having a like a hub there and doing vaccine events at their office with us doing it instead of the providers. Uh, cause they don't, they just frankly just don't want to do any vaccines anymore, which is great for us. Um, so we, we start off there, but we do a lot of adherence packaging delivery cause they're a big managed care. You know, anyone's in managed care, um, has those adherence goals. So it's mostly macrohedus measures. Hmm. Interesting. So, I, I mean, I jump right in, but I would have expected Optum would have used Optum RX for things like that. Uh, very good point. And they do. They like their Optum RX, but their providers do not like Optum RX because <laughs> they never hit their bonuses and they don't get paid. These providers in these offices are heavily incentivized on their salaries are low, their bonuses are high. So if they're not hitting their measures because mail order and Optum is not providing the adherence mo- measures and the adherence tracking, then that's where we come in. So Yes, corporate wants them to use mail order, but the providers ultimately make the decision. How did you get to where you are today? How did you get started in pharmacy, first of all? Yeah, so uh, I went to college uh, to be a dentist, actually. Uh, I worked at my buddy's dentist, or my buddy's my, my uncle's dentist office growing up, and I went to uh, school, uh, Stets University. I majored in biochemistry, and I was going to go to dental school, and then I was going to go to get my doctorate in biochemistry, and then I realized that it, you know, I really like working with people and, um, you know, I started working at a pharmacy and in, in, in independent actually in my hometown. And, uh, you know, I really took off for me there. I just love the patient interaction. I just love being around people. So it kind of was a nice blend for me. And then I realized I can't stand looking at people's mouths cause that was gross. Like when I worked at my buddies, it was just nasty. So like, and I was, I'm not really good with blood. So, okay. Hometown, hometown was where, uh, Sanford, Florida. Outside of Orlando, North Orlando, Sanford. Yep. Also, all right. So, yeah, uh, independent. You worked there and you liked it. Keep going. Yeah. Then I uh, rolled into pharmacy school from there after my four year degree uh, at Nova Southeastern in West Palm. Um, And then lived down there for 13 years, you know, while I was in school. And then, um, you know, then after that, um, when I graduated, I, uh, I worked at Walgreens. Uh, what's interesting is I worked for Walgreens for about as a store manager. I did not want to work in their pharmacy, hated working in their pharmacy. So I worked the store manager route and they wanted me to be a store manager and, and kind of work, you know, up the chain that way. Um, realized that corporate America is all smoke and mirrors really quickly. 
And then one of my preceptors when I was in school called me six months after graduate, asked me to come work for him and help him grow his business. What kind of is this independent pharmacy, yeah. pharmacy, independent, yep, retail? Yeah. So yeah, it was independent community retail, a little bit of compounding. And then we opened, I helped, I built out a new facility, which was basically everything, DME, home infusion, high-risk steel compounding, long-term care, uh, and then the retail. It was right next to a hospital. So we that's where I really started embracing the movement of uh, bedside medication. I was doing that before Walgreens even thought about coining that term, bedside. I was doing that for years with uh, the community hospital down there. Um, and that, that's kind of where I kind of started really just really learning and figuring out where I wanted to go. So were you a partner or just an employee at that point? Yeah, employee. <laughs> so then I also realized I did not want to be an employee anymore either. Okay. I was tired of that. So that's where we kind of, uh, you know, I mean, it, it was great. It, he was great. He was cool. He knew I wanted to be an owner. Uh, he offered me some type of ridiculous incentivization package and I was like, no, nah, I'm all set. And then, um, I just started looking for a store. Okay. You know, something that was closer to home as well, which is where I'm at now, closer to home. All right. So was that this store that you started looking at that point or was it a different one? So I really wanted to move back and buy the store that I was working in growing up. Uh, but the, the, you know, the owner there is a good friend of mine. He was just not ready to sell. Um, and then one of the wholesalers introduced me to the, the, uh, the owner of this store where I'm at now. And um, we just kind of met and started talking. I'm like, well, you know, St. Cloud's only you know, 50 miles from my hometown. So my family's close enough, better than West Palm. Plus West Palm's way too expensive. So uh, we decided to move up here. And how many years ago was that? I just had my fourth year anniversary of owning the store March 1st. Nice. Congrats. Yeah. Congratulations. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Crazy. It goes by fast. So what's the, what's the first thing you did when you came in and took over that store? Sent back a whole bunch of inventory that he wasn't paying attention to. <laughs> I made like I made like forty grand just sending back inventory the first couple of months. Well, when I bought the store, the volume was about one fifty a day. So when I bought it, the the bank's like, Eric, you know, if I look at the numbers right, your salary is going to be like twenty grand a year at this store. So do you sure you want to buy this because it's really not a great investment? Plus the loans, you know, millions of dollars. I'm like, okay. Uh, so I said, all right, fine. So I did it and figured out, you know what, I have my mission was I'm going to turn this place around. I'm going to get to that, you know, decent living number in the first year or so. Sit back about 40 grand in inventory and just start tightening up the inventory. He didn't even do perpetual inventory. Like these, you know, these old school guys, you know, they just, they, I mean, his inventory was literally a steno pad and he had a picture of his aisles with a dollar amount of the drugs on each aisle. I'm like, how do you even know that? He's like, well, every year we just take like two days and count the inventory. So, you know, we just kind of just knowing what I know, I just kind of cleaned it up that way and turned, you know, the best way to make money is to save money. Right. So right. that's how we started. And now, I mean, you know, we're over 450 scripts a day. So it's the trajectory was hot, was getting high in the last couple of years. Crazy. So what would yeah. you if you had to say the top two or three things of why you've been successful. I mean, four years going from 150 to, to 400 something. Had that happen? What, what's the top things that you did? To- I'll tell you what was number one for me was that, you know, I had the confidence to do it and it has to do with, we went through some really tough stuff trying to get out of West Palm with my family. So, um, you know, when we took this dive, my wife was like, Eric, listen, you know, just 
you know what you're doing, take the dive. So really she's been like, help. she helped me through the whole thing because I had some doubts in the beginning. Um, and then I just became, my, my whole strategy was, I'm never going to be behind the bench if I don't have to. Everything I do is outside the community. I'm going to market myself. I'm going to sell myself. I'm going to spend the money and keep my pharmacist employed. I had a huge, he had a huge salary. I could have just let pharmacists go and just started cleaning house and just sat behind the bench and worked and made a decent living. I said, no, that's not my style. So I spent, and I still spend to this day, 90% of my day outside the store, meeting with providers, meeting with patients, rounding at the hospital, doing whatever. My, my mission is I'm not going to sit behind the bench because um, that's just not the way that you can grow. You know, especially can't grow that that fast. Yeah, we've seen that. It's one of those stories we seem to hear repeated that those pharmacies are successful are out in the they're out in the community. They know people, and and because of that, when when those people have a problem, a lot of times they they pick up the phone and they call and they go, "Hey, Eric, we got some extra COVID vaccines, right? What what can you help us out, right? So tell us about that story." Yeah, so uh, you know, I work with the Department of Health with the COVID testing program for a while last year, and um, you know, they knew that we could we could vaccinate as well as test, of course. And um, you know, we actually a part of our model overall is doing vaccines at patients' homes, ALFs, vaccine clinics. I mean, we've been embracing the vaccine movement for the last two years, and it's really taken off. Um, so they knew what we could do, and they know we had pharmacists driving around in the past to do vaccines. So they said, hey, listen, you know, and, and actually to rewind a little bit, my ALFs that work with me because I have a long-term care pharmacy actually signed up with me to be their pharmacy vaccine provider. And the state of Florida goes, no, 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 sorry, we're not using him. You have to use CVS, Walgreens, or this other company. And then these people, then the big change just stopped showing up. I was literally at an ALF yesterday, and she's like, she showed me a box of probably 300 forms for COVID vaccines from CVS. It's a four-bed facility. They have four patients. And they sent them a box of forms, never showed up. Mailed them a box of forms, filled these out, never showed up, no call, nothing. So anyway, fast forward to February 1st. Department of Health says, Eric, all the vaccines that CVS Walgreens could not use by January 31st, which was their deadline, has just been added back to the state inventory. So why don't you go out, finish off these ALFs that they missed, and then start working on the homebound patients, which you already have a, a model for. So first week we got 50, and then it went to 250. And then now the next week is 600. This week was 540. Wow. So we're going up. And I just got an email about an hour ago from the state emergency management for the state of Florida saying they saw our program. They saw we did about 900 homebound patients. They want to give us more direct from the state, too, to address other counties because the other counties aren't doing it as well. So I, I have to try to figure out how I'm going to do that. I'm sure you said you, you said uh, yes. yes. <laughs> and then you said, I'm going to figure this out, right? Dude, everything's like that, man. <laughs> it's just like whenever it's not, <laughs> that's how I am. Like my staff probably hates me, but anytime someone calls me, he's like, we're going to try, you're going to do this. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to do it. And I get back to the staff like, hey, this is what we're going to do. They're like, oh, no, you're not. I'm like, no, no, we're going to do it. <laughs> yeah. We'll just figure it out. Yeah. It's one of those where it's like, yes, I, I, I can absolutely do that. And you're shaking your head no while agreeing <laughs> to it. <Yeah. laughs> I'm like, oh, hell no. Amina is one of our pharmacists in North Carolina, and her model is always say yes and figure it out later. Mm -hmm. And she claims that her staff hates her because she walks in the door and she's like, hey, here, do this. 
I'm the same way. I'm very, I'm all over the place, I guess is what I tell them, you know, and I'm, I'm always changing something or uh, the cool thing is for me, I, I walk in when I'm about to do something, I go, what do I need to do to make your life easier? Right. So you can do this. That, right. That's the whole key. Right. And then I buy them a whole bunch of lunch and coffees and all types of stuff just to keep them happy for a while. Right. Like for a week at a time. But I'm like, what do I need to do maybe at the workflow in the pharmacy software, whatever it may be, delivery level to help so we can start providing these services? So that's how everything kind of works for us, um, automation, whatever it may be. But it's all about setting your staff up for success. Okay, so you said your wife was your biggest cheerleader and supporter in the move. So what does she do? She works for a huge plastics company, actually. They sell plastic resin. Okay. And you've probably seen a lot of articles now about how no manufacturing is down because no one can get plastic resin. So she works for the biggest distributor in the country. So she sells to like 3M, Polaris, like all those companies are her clients. So, but she did, I mean, when we were, she moved up here, she worked from a staffing agency and got the job. So, wow. um, you know, she basically abandoned her career for, for our future here, you know? So that's why, uh, you know, I'm in debt to her huge for that, but. She saw, I guess she saw some potential in what, what I was trying to do, I guess. Kids? Yeah, seven and three. Seven and three. Oh, Seven-year-old wow. son, three-year-old daughter. Uh, so now I also have to juggle baseball and basketball practice, too, which I coach as teams. So, as, you know, it, with kids, it's nonstop. You know, it's, it's awesome, though. It gets easier. Trust me. Yeah, it's a lot easier. It's not harder. Well, the daughter now wants to do ballet. Every day she's like, I want to do dance. I want to do dance. I'm like, well, I'm like, Rachel, you're going to have to do that. Like, I, I can barely make it to baseball practice. All you're time. not going to coach ballet? <laughs> I, I probably could. He's like, yes. Really there's got to be, there's got to be a YouTube for that. There's I can really figure that not out. not a coach for ballet. It's not a coach you, for ballet. You have a dance instructor. Well, that's, that's, yeah. a, but, that's, that's a coach. It's a guy word for the dance instructor. I, yeah, it's weird that uh, that seems coach instructor works doesn't unnecessarily gendered. Except uh, dance instructors don't yell at you. Oh, I beg right. to differ. Yeah, you I should beg watch, to no, differ. No. You should watch the show. I, there was some dance show. Oh, dance moms. Yeah, the, the lady just, who went to jail. Okay, she does that all for show. You think the no, show? Ain't, no, uh-uh. I, like in my when I was growing up, I did taekwondo for what, twelve just years. Kind of like dance. Yeah, it's very similar. <laughs> But there was a dance studio next to my Taekwondo studio, and the dance instructor was way meaner than my Taekwondo instructor. Yeah, no question Kaylee about it. did dance yeah. since she was like four, and they were mean. Yeah, were- my dance instructors were never mean; they were all nice. Well, what what kind of dance instructor are you going to be? Me? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, we. Oh wow, we we got I tangential, but it. now it, yeah, I, yeah. I mean, I. I mean, I'm really, I'm pretty fantastic when it comes to the <laughs> hip hop music of the '90s. So, I could probably do some '90s hip hop, maybe 2000s. Yeah, there right? you go. Uh, and I could teach that. I feel a little like. beatboxing. No, I like yep, it. We'll do some TikTok yeah, videos. Yeah, I could probably do that. At, at some point, we're gonna have to see the um, the '90s dance skills. Yeah, listen. I mean, you could. I mean, my wedding video is one attribute to that for sure, and <laughs> all my other buddies' wedding videos where, for some strange reason, I end up shirtless or uh, ripping my pants or something. <laughs> Throughout the night, <laughs> falling into a pool of balloons or confetti. Uh, so, but that's usually the bourbon. You know, that's yeah. how I get there. Oh wow! So. I know. Who, okay. I know who Josh is hanging out with at Connect next well, year. Well, I mean, it takes like the whole liquor cabinet for me to do any kind of '90s <laughs> dance moves. <laughs> that, that's the problem. I probably couldn't be a dance instructor because I'd have to have like 
five glasses of bourbon before I coach. Yeah, they, dancing. the other parents would probably frown on that. <laughs> probably okay, be. girls, we're going to do a, a little twirly thing. Yeah, yeah. just like that. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> no, nothing says suspicious like a drunk guy <laughs> coaching like young girls dancing. <laughs> yeah, I think it's. I mean, probably. as long as I wear my mask, right? They would be able to smell it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And this just got weird. Yeah, it probably doesn't fly. We're going to have to cut you. this whole thing. <laughs> hey, uh, so baseball team. coaching. <laughs> so, doesn't require alcohol. <laughs> oh, that does sometimes. <laughs> sometimes. <laughs> coaching baseball for seven-year-olds, that's probably true. So at seven, yeah. you've just gone from t-ball to actual. Is it coach pitch or kid pitch now? Yeah, it's coach pitch. I pitch. Yeah, at seven, they're picking flowers in, yeah. the, in the outfield. Sitting on their gloves going, <laughs> yeah. look at the butterfly. Oh, pick, throwing dirt at each other. I mean, it's I, – I constantly am yelling. I feel like I'm going to get – I feel like the parents either really hate me or really like me. I'm either putting structure in or they're like, this guy's just a jerk. <laughs> Mark, uh, Marsha's husband played – Baseball. Yeah, my husband was Mr. Baseball. His entire family was just baseball. And a, a couple of his cousins, actually, one of them went to University of Florida, got a scholarship and played there. Um, but he quit playing when he got to his sophomore or junior year. He goes, I'm not playing. And the coach was like, what? You're the next Bivens I was expecting because he was the youngest. Yeah. But when um, our son played baseball in kindergarten, first grade, it was first grade. Mark just lost his freaking mind because he's like, he's not even in the game. He just sits on his glove. He's staring. Picking four-leaf clovers. Yeah, oh. he's just, he was not, his head was not in the game. I guess, like, the Bivens are supposed to have their head in the game. So he's like, I'm not doing this. I can't. I can't. Like it's genetic? It's yeah, he, I think he was expecting it to be genetic. But, yeah, baseball only lasted one season with us. But he's in soccer, even though he wanted to quit within the first 30 seconds. When yeah. somebody stole the ball from him, but yeah, my daughter, like we did a, my daughter's three now and we did a soccer league when she was two, which is completely bonkers. There's no reason a two year old should be out playing soccer because there was no soccer played, Right. but she was playing with her ball and like this little kid came and grabbed it. And my daughter was like, uh, uh-uh, no more. Like she went and grabbed her ball back and she went and sat in the corner. It's like, no, not going to play soccer. But she finally warmed up to it. But the, surprised the, she didn't bite him. <laughs> yeah, my my daughter was a bit of a biter. We um we had to move daycares because of consistent biting. Is that over? Yeah, yeah. No, she doesn't bite anymore. So we we've we've won that battle. We're losing others. Losing other battles. This new battles. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, so the last time we were in your pharmacy, another thing we kind of noticed, which was neat, is you've got a little testing facility where you're in the front of the store and you've kind of got a partition off a cubicle looking that you're um, for diabetes patients, you're checking weight and other stats kind of walk us, walk our listeners through that. Yeah. Um, so our, we were in a, a pilot program called PMAP, P-M-A-P-P. And it's basically a, um, a point of care uh, proof of concept, I guess, for lack of better terms program, where we're trying to see if um, we can do A1C serum creatinine lipids, um, all in a, you know, a finger prick type machine. It's, it's to prove that the machine works and that the results are accurate with the serum levels that the patients get every three months. So we compare them and then we track, um, we track their progress and see if we can have A1C drop throughout a year, a time. 
uh, based on adherence and changing therapies and using, you know, ADA guidelines and things like that. So it's a pretty neat concept. Um, uh, the, the equipment itself is pretty cool because it's unique. Uh, we haven't had anything like it before. Um, it's also sponsored by FDA as well. It's a partnership. So everything's free to the patient. Nice. Um, yeah, yeah, it's very cool. And, um, you know, basically it, it, there is some criteria, inclusion, exclusion criteria, like the patient cannot be on mealtime insulin. So that's a challenge filtering out our patients on mealtime insulin. But, um, you know, it, it's, it's actually been a pretty easy recruitment process so and we're it, in month five right now. Is that an FDA study? Are they studying to yeah. prove out the device? Yeah, so that's exactly that's exactly right. Yeah, so the the device is seeking FDA approval. Okay. So in order for them to get FDA approval, they need to prove that it will work, and then hope. And they're using independent pharmacies. It's actually through our buying group that set it up. So there's probably I think it's like 60, 70 stores throughout the country doing this. It's not just us. And who, who's your buying group again? That was CPA. Uh, APCI. APCI. Okay. Huh. How far? Well, how is it going? Is it? Looks like it's successful. Yeah, so far it's been successful. We have two machines actually because we have one in our lobby and then we also run an indigent clinic. So we have partnered with a, a free clinic in town, which we run the pharmacy. There's not a pharmacy there, but we run uh, clinical interventions there, um, right? Basically on Fridays, my residence there on Fridays and myself sometimes. Um, so we're recruiting people at both locations. So it's been going really well because. It's a natural fit there. Those patients don't have any money, so a free program to track A one C, you know, weights, uh, cholesterol, and all that works out fantastic. And then the medical director there can, you know, make adjustments based on our results instead of, you know, they can't pay eighty bucks, two hundred bucks for, for lab, you know, a true, you know, lab draw. Right. So, are you where are you recording the the data? Is it just in the machine and being sent somewhere? Or are you recording that in Pioneer as well? So we record. All of our care plans from our clinic are in Pioneer. So any intervention we have at our, at our, our clinic is in Pioneer, and then we submit them to the clinic every week. So we, Because it's a grant. We get paid to do it. We've received $40,000 in grant money already based on what we're trying to do. Uh, so in order for us to justify our grant, we use the care plan module. We create our own template, and we use that recurring. And then we use the labs tab to now add the labs the labs tab in Pioneer to add the labs for this program. Uh, this program also has its own portal that we have to plug in the values to for, for them. That's awesome. And how is it? So it's doing well, you're lowering A1Cs, it's doing better than some of the other things you're doing. Yeah, so far it's really good. Um, so it's got a lot of motivational intervention, which is a huge push right now. So not every time they come see us, it's a, it's a lab draw or discussion. It's basically how do we curb your behavior um, to become more adherent. So, so far it's been really well. The, the, the patients at the clinic have really embraced it because they're getting, they're getting free healthcare, right? You're getting free healthcare from the provider. Now they're getting a pharmacist they meet with and now they're getting a lab as well or, or, or something like it. So it's really been great for them and we've kept a lot of patients out of the hospital and that's how our indigent clinic gets paid is preventing hospitalizations and having interventions with patients that are uninsured. So what would you say is your uh, best patient success story? Yeah, so we had a gentleman come in that was on, I mean, the previous provider at the clinic basically had put him on every single diabetes medication, every class, uh, SGLT2, GLP-1, mealtime insulin, you know, bowl, uh, you know, basil, everything. And the guys came in and like, I, I have like six injections a day. I'm on 11 other oral medications. He's like, yeah, I'm just not going to do it. 
I'm like, dude, I don't blame you. I wouldn't do it either. So what was interesting is that we could, we eliminated a lot. We said, let's just start over, you know, and use, and use our, our methods here and say, okay, your fasting glucose is like 400, which is terrible, but he probably lives in the three to four hundreds and doesn't notice. So we just kind of cut everything back, added just two treatments, put him on, put him into the program, the, the PMAP program. And now the guy's lost about 40 pounds over three months. And his A1C has gone from like, it was, it was in, it was probably 12. And now he's at like eight, eight and a half, I think was the last wow. uh, finger stick he did. So, and the guy, now he comes to the store. He was not really ambulatory before. He's like the head of his HOA now. So he's actually trying to get his life back together too, you know, and, and a lot of these people, you know, they've suffered a lot um, and they're in a situation and they're not adherent for a reason. It's not because right. they don't want right. to. Be an interesting conversation with him and Kathy Campbell and Deanne Mullins. Are you familiar with any of those two? I know Deanne very well. She's a she was a CPSN luminary with me when we started CPSN here in Florida. So I know Deanne very well. Um, just she has a complete diabetes class in the back of her pharmacy. And yeah, she's got it figured out, and that's the reason why we're I'm sitting in this unit because this unit I'm renting out is going to be our diabetes clinic. You know, we're going to, I'm going to get my CDE. I just finished a class a couple, about a month ago. So we're going to start our own diabetes center here. Got it. So you're, you're basically going to start the full gamut of group education, personal education. Nice. Medicare billing. Right. I have a doctor in town that has nurse practitioners. We're going to bring, we're going to bring a lot of different types of people, um, providers into this, into this piece. Very cool. So, I mean, I guess this all kind of goes back to your 90% out of the facility, but those relationships with the nurse practitioners you had already that you're kind of leveraging for this? Yeah. I mean, our, what, what I, tr like our growth, our growth trajectory is hundred percent based on me going out, just talking to managed care providers, the doctors that provide managed care and, you know, you know, work from DaVita and the insurance, it's all managed care, Medicare now for services kind of a thing in the past. So I meet with these doctors that go to patients' homes because that's their model. They're doctors at home. Oh, wow. So I, yeah, and they send me all their referrals because they're going to the home anyway. So the patient can't get out or doesn't want to go see their doctor. They don't want to go see a doctor. They're not going to go see their pharmacy. So that's how it started three years ago is me partnering with about four or five provider groups in our area that just see patients at home. And then the other provider groups like the, you know, like the big, the big ones, the hospital groups, the DeVitas, the Optums, they're like, hey, this patient came in with your, you know, your, uh, your blister packaging, your, your, you know, your adherence packs, and they're transferring from another provider. Like, we want to do this too. So, and then I have two groups, well, not two groups, a lot more, but two of them now have just called, you know, they tell me I have to do all the, I do all the HEDIS measures for them. So they're hitting their bonuses at like 99%, 95-99%. So then now... The head of Optum's like, Eric, how did you get my office, which is historically non-adherent, all their patients to hit their bonus at the highest level? So again, that goes back to what we talked about before. That's why like they don't care about the mail or as much as they care about adherence. Right. Right. All the way up because that's star ratings. and mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. I mean, oh, adherence yeah. drives huge number of bonuses at, you know, their HEDIS and MIPS and macro. When it's you, massive. When do you think you're going to outgrow the, the manual blister packs? Soon. I actually was very close to buying instead. I bought a, I bought a, uh, another dispensing robot for filling bottles, but I was very close to buying a, a strip packager. Um, but I just, 
I don't like the strip packaging that much, to be honest. Okay. I hate to say that. I hope that doesn't upset a lot of people. It probably will. Um, I kind of like having our our custom our custom cards and our 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 process within Pioneer that we set up because it's low cost. We're not getting paid extra to have right. a three hundred thousand dollar robot. I know that I know they'll tell you it only costs you three cents per roll, all that good stuff. I get it, but now I pay nothing, and it's not an extra step, right? Labor is the most expensive piece in your store. So if I can build something in my software platform, and I'm getting excellent adherence, and I have no complaints about my packaging, no one's calling me saying you need to get a strip packager. We don't like your cards. If I was right. getting transfers out because they didn't like my process, then I'd make that move faster. Um, but our filling of our cards is I would say almost just as fast as having a robot. Really? Well, we're part, we're still using our robot. So we're using our bottle robot to fill it. Right. So then that bottle robot will fill that 28 day supply. And then we take it over to the packaging station. So the, the medication's there and it's already counted out. All right. So you're, right? you're, you're using your, your vial machine to, so getting 28 pills and then you're just dropping one at, at a time out That's into it. the, yeah. into the deal. Yeah. It's not bad. Yeah. I mean, you yeah. could you could buy automation that lights up and it's all fancy to do the same thing, right? So there's that step one is buying a, a tray machine that you fill up and that helps you with your compl- you know, your your packaging or, or going full packaging. So our cost is not that high, right? Plus, I really like having employees because they can answer phones and do other things too. So while my person's packaging, she's calling for refills, making sure that all those people are getting packaged and, sh- and delivered at the same time. So I feel like I'm getting good enough value. I understand technology and, and automation does help for sure. That's why I just spent a ton of money on that robot. But I like having it as that intermediary for me. The robot's like the intermediary between, um, I'm like 50% automation, 50% manual, right? I guess for lack of better terms. Yeah, it's interesting. Are there devices that help you take those 28 pills and distribute them into the blister packs? Or do you have yeah. to drop one at a time? I mean, there's some, yeah, there are devices that help spread them out. Okay. Uh, you know, we have the tray, like there's trays that come with the actual, the, the packaging, you know, the, the the actual package itself. So we can line all the trays up and then just drop them in. I mean, sometimes we do use the old school of using tweezers and things like that. If we have to, if we have a jumper or something like that, it's a jumper, a jumper. Like in my head, That's I'm picturing like, yeah. That's their fun. That's their funny word. In my head, I'm picturing like the, the prices, right. Where, you know, like where you do Plinko, you just need right. to have like a deal where it's, Drops them all into the, or even like an old school coins order, right? Yeah, and, and I mean, your ours device. is not that fancy, but yeah. How many <laughs> how many patients you up to now on the blister packs? Oh my! Well, if you count our long term care patients, you're talking five hundred minimum. Yeah, but our long term care single dose, not multi dose. Ah, no. So we use multi dose now in long term care. Nice. We've been transitioning a lot to that multi dose. Yeah, we've been scaling. What do you do that. with um? How is that working out as far as changes right because long-term care their medication changes a lot yeah so you do two weeks or what we what we actually focus on instead of doing two weeks because that's a lot of extra work for us too we find the stable patients so we go through our our platform we run patients you run a report that says this patient's been on the same medications for six or three months i think we do three months let's try them on the packs first we don't just dive all in okay so the facilities are kind of have half packs half blisters and they they're just happy that they're happy that they're getting a solution to some of them. You know, they don't need to go turnkey new packaging because it saves them. You know, it saves a ton of time if they go multi-dose. Right. right. Yeah. Cause all they can do is take yeah, the yeah. one cup. Do, are your, are they perforated? Or are they? Nope. 
Nope. We do not have perforated yet. Yeah, there's pros and cons. The the not being pref- perforated, you can quickly look and see where they are. Right. You know, when you start letting people tear stuff out, it's harder to see. Yeah, it's funny. Um, when we were we visited a, a store in Austin and they had the cards as well, and I was like, why don't you guys use the blister packs? And apparently, the long term care facilities in their area all hate them. Yeah, it varies. I've they been do. places where they do both. As a matter of fact, uh, Parada just came out with a with a machine called a Duo that does both strip packaging and, and multi dose blister packaging, specifically because some facilities like one. Some facilities like other, but the facilities that like it really like it because they can look at it at a glance and see where they are. And 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 some people think they're easier to, uh, yeah, it's different than trying to opening. But yeah, they, uh, the product did mention the duo to me when I was buying uh, the Max, and um, you know they're like, oh, but it's still like in beta. It's really new, so it's something I'm looking at down the future maybe. But I have no problem with our with our process right now and yeah. I'm focusing more of my investment and our program like right now on the vaccine push. So if I allocate funds towards the vaccine push, like I hired LPNs right now to help us with vaccines. So my model now is I'm not, you know, having far, you know, pharmacy techs will be able to vaccinate soon in Florida. They already are, but I'm hiring LPNs cause they can do more clinical stuff. And then I'm just going to make them a technician through my technician training program. They get paid almost the same per hour. LPNs and pharmacy techs are similar pay? Yeah. Huh. The highest level technician makes about what an, L, an average LPN makes, I guess. So That's interesting. That is super interesting. But you're getting a ton of benefit out of them. They can travel around and vaccinate without me following them or a technician. You have to have a pharmacist with you. Right. Right. Yeah. Well, another kind of – what other kind of home – you think there'd be some other kind of stuff they could do, the LPN could do in the home that they uh, – that a pharmacy I mean, tech. they could technically track biometrics, blood pressures, things like that. Yep. Yeah. That's right. Yep, they can do all the point of care stuff. You don't need to have anyone train a point of care. They can do all that for you too. Is it market specific? Are you in a market where the LPNs are less or is that just where the LPNs are today? It's a great question. I have no idea. I mean, I guess when I, you know, when I look online, you know, or like look at the average LPN salary, um, and when I call, I just call home health nurses. So I call the home health companies who we work with as well, who send us a ton of referrals. And I say, you know, what are your LPNs making? And they say, okay, it's about, you know, this per hour. I said, fine, I can afford that. And they're contracted and they have their own liability insurance too. So think about it this way. Now you're not paying all the, you know, unemployment taxes, all that stuff. I write them a check. They got their own. They're 1099. Very interesting. You're, you're in this new location. You're the location that we vis- visited you had like a drive-through model that y'all were starting, but not quite a window. So, is this new location going to have a drive-through window? I so after you guys left, the drive-through now is active, and we're doing sixty to seventy COVID vaccinations through the drive-through right now. Like there wasn't a window though; that was like a door. Yes. 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 Sorry, I did not put the window in. Um, this mo- the room that I'm in right now is actually sharing a wall with that. It's in the same plaza, oh, okay. so it's he- basically just is going to be just our clinical services piece. And then patients will come here for appointments and things like that for all of our point of care and all that good stuff and vaccinations too. Uh, once the cra- you know, once the craziness of, you know, having a ton of vaccines every day. Or yeah, it was interesting. Kind of- so they just had the door open to the side. I mean, there was a place where people could drive. Right. So, but rather than putting it in a window, they just use the doors. It's kind of like a dry cleaner. It's way better yeah, for yeah, yeah right. like a dry cleaner. Yep. I mean, not to knock it. I love the fact that I pull up my dry cleaner, opens the door, sticks my clothes in, and I go right. 
But when you think about it, why do you need a window? That's, I mean, except for security, maybe. But that's easier for COVID testing, easier for shots. And plus, probably just feels more intimate if you're giving somebody their vaccine, their, their flu, stuff. flu shot or yeah. um, COVID it's vaccine. more like, now if you did on skates. Right. <laughs> now, the, the downside is I worked at Walgreens and I had a couple of people hit my drive through wall. And if I'd been stepping out into the open the door, I might yeah, I have think been he hit. Had, I think you had poles. Yeah, he, he has. I do. Yeah, he has the two concrete yeah. poles. He worked at Walgreens too. Yeah. I bet his building got hit a couple <laughs> of times. Yeah. yeah, that's dangerous. I mean, plus we have uh, we have two double doors. The double doors in the back are for testing. The double doors up front are for vaccines. So the people will drive up, they'll stop for testing, or they'll keep going to the vaccine door. So it helps us kind of split. So everything's split. Testing's in one spot, vaccine the other spot. Yeah, I just didn't. I mean, I don't want to spend a ton of money on a window. And you can't crawl out your window to give a shot. So right, my pharmacist right. would be literally walking through the parking lot all day long. We're standing out there all day. And how would they, then you have to have, then you're setting up a cooler outside. Then you're, you, you can't get your software. We got a POS sitting right there. Yeah. So we can print, we can go right there, grab their profile, print their consent form in Pioneer, give it to them. They complete the questionnaire because, of, you know, it's already pre-populated with all their demographics. And we give the shot, and they're gone. It's Orlando. Don't get too right. hot or too cold. You yeah. know, we kind of. No, you're probably yeah. not doing that in Montana, right? We're gonna, <laughs> let's just just open the door. You know, the wind's blowing. <laughs> it'll get a little swampy in the summer, but it's all right. Yeah, we listen. We did COVID testing in the summer, and it was awful. So we're used to it. <laughs> yeah, I, I can't imagine. Like it's hot in Texas, but you get out in July and Orlando July and in, and in full PPE. How is no. the? Uh, how how's this how's the Florida going as far as vaccinations? Well, I think we're at like seven million total vaccinations right now, a little over seven million statewide. Um, our our county's doing pretty good overall. I mean, we've we've really tightened up the um, the seniors. You know, we're doing well. The seniors. I think the last I spoke to, we we're over fifty percent of our seniors in our county are vaccinated. That so that's that's like that magic number that the governor wanted was fifty percent. It's like once you hit fifty percent, we'll give you more vaccines for other populations. Yeah, I wonder. You think we're going to hit the uh, the July fourth COVID Freedom Day? Maybe Fingers I actually. Crossed. It's going to be close, but you know, I mean, we haven't hit any of their goals so far. Yeah, and a lot of things. I think I was talking to a friend of mine in Louisiana and said that the slowing actually demand they're slowing down, which I guess that means it's time to go to the next group. Yeah, it is. I mean, we, we were doing home health providers. That was our focus was homebound and home health providers. And I call it, I'm like, I get no more, no home health want it. You know, the doctor's offices are done. The funny part is a lot of the health providers like nurses, they just don't, they don't want it at all. Like we're seeing the demand, definitely demand the seniors, definitely demand, you know, home. I mean, those people are there, but like young nurses, reception, anyone in direct patient contact, they really just don't want it. So why do you think and that I is? I think they're waiting. Well, they're waiting. They want the Johnson Johnson. I went with my, my nurse today. She's like, oh, I'm going to get my Johnson Johnson. I'm like, you could have got the Pfizer from me for like a month, like two months. It's like, oh, I just want the Johnson Johnson because, uh, you know, it's only one shot, right? And it's been around a little longer. Or, or, or they cover the variants, you know, all the stuff they see. So maybe that's what it takes. Huh. huh. I don't know. You give me a shot. I'm going to take it. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, at this point, and we're not getting that that vaccine. We're going to be stuck with. We're we're getting to Pfizer distribution regularly through the state. 
Yeah. Well, hey, if you're good with using it in the time frame that's supposed to be used in, why not? You know? Yeah. Well, they just changed it now, so you can keep it in a regular freezer for two right. weeks. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, I saw that. I mean, mine never make it that long anyway, and I get my shipments every Monday. Every Monday, the Department of Health drives my store with a, a cooler with a tray of vaccines, and we just count them out. Are you getting? Are you able to find the uh, syringes that level you get six doses? The am I getting six out of each vial? Yeah. Oh yeah, and we'll pull we'll pull a seven sometimes. Really? Hmm. Yeah. Well, yeah. We were pulling a seven. We were pulling seven a lot more in the beginning, but I think Pfizer must have made adjustments on the manufacturing line on fill volumes because we're getting seven, but only very sporadically now, like one every seven to eight vials. Hmm. Interesting. Yep. Yeah, they only count those six. Well, it, it, the funny thing is, in the beginning, they only counted five. Right. So we were only held accountable for because you got to report this stuff every night. You got twenty four hours. I mean, it's 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 hard. So they only counted five against you. So as long as I was going over five, I was fine. Now it's like we're counting six for you, Eric. I'm like, okay, great. So now that seven's like, oh, thank goodness, gives me a cushion. Yeah. So what do you need that you need the cushion for? Well, a loss. You know, okay. uh, a couple lost ones. I mean, when we're driving around all day, you only have six hours to use this stuff. Okay. So if I'm missing houses or if I'm running late or, you know, yesterday I had three people that just weren't even home. Like, uh-huh. you're homebound. Why are you not home? Right. <laughs> like, I'm not house call. I'm homebound. Right. But, I mean, there's a difference there. So, uh, you know, we end up coming back with shots sometimes. Yeah. Uh, Have you guys used anything like, uh, or I don't know if you can, um, there's a, a website called Dr. B, I think that you can sign up for area. If there's extra vaccine in your area, they'll text you. Are you guys able to do things like that to, to make sure you get that sixth or seventh shot out of the vial? Yeah, it's funny. Uh, my buddy works at Walmart. It's called like waste management protocol. So every day, like at five o'clock, they got, they got a list of people they call or they start putting announcements over the PA in the store. If anyone wants the vaccine, we got extra doses. We have something similar, but not that not like that. We have a list of people because we were stuck. We were focused on just homebound 65 and up. So then we just have a list of people that are 65 and up that can come to the store. So yeah. you just call. Them. We do the same thing, though. Yeah, we, we don't we don't ever throw. We have not thrown one dose out. Knock on wood. We, we've been very fortunate. So I wonder once once we've gotten through um, the once they've opened it up a little more freely, what does that plan look like? You do we see another like long long line, or is it going to be like a list of hey, I'm going to text these this many patients today, and if they say yes, schedule the appointment with them. You know what what are, what do you see that looking like? Yeah, so. Starting Monday, our drive-thru is wide open, and they're going to send a press release out today uh, that we're doing 60 and up through our drive-thru, or we're, we're going to be wide open, just like the, we're basically going to be the Department of Health's satellite spot in, in our area starting Monday. So maybe tell, ask me next week if I'm wanting to continue to do it. <laughs> so so <laughs> we'll next see. week, it's you're going do. wide open with, with the current rules, yeah. which is 60. Well, you have to, we have to stick to the executive order, right? Right, the state. Yep. So we're sticking to the executive order, of course, but that goes to 60 on Monday. But the problem was in the past that the chains were getting federal, federal, they're getting federal supply. So they're not even going by executive order. They're playing by their own rules. Oh, wow. So I told Department of Health, yeah, they're vaccinating anyone 50 and up, whatever they want to do, teachers, everyone. And I was kind of stuck in that executive order because I'm with the Department of Health. So now the Department of Health is like, I I said, listen, I can handle it now. You know, we've done a thousand homebound patients. There's not. There's still more, but there's not that type of volume. 
So now I'm like, let me start taking care of the community. So I'm still stuck in the executive order, but I'm 60 and up no matter what now tomorrow or Monday. So you didn't try to get any from CPSN on the federal side? Uh, so it's, uh, I knew you were going to ask that question. Um, <laughs> see. So the federal thing was so messed up. Like in the beginning, Health Mart, CPSN, they're like, you got to pick one or the other. It's either the state or it's us. That was their thing. I'm like, well, I have a relationship with the state, so I'm going to use the state. So then now they're like, oh, you can use whoever you, you can use state and you can use federal. I'm like, when did that change? So um, the answer is no, I did not. I did not partner with any um, groups and they still haven't gotten any in Florida yet anyway. Oh, so CPSN nor Healthmark have any in Florida? Zero. They're, the only federal partners in program are federal pharmacy partners in Florida are Winn-Dixie, Walmart, and I think now that's expanding to a couple others, but no, 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 no. They're still waiting. Health Mart, no update. CPSN, no update that I know of. I wonder why that state specific like that, because other states have gotten CPSN federal. Well, and some like Texas bungled. Well, I don't Texas didn't bungle. Walgreens and CVS bungled it so badly in Texas that they pulled back out of all of the community pharmacies and put them into like public health centers. So like the American Airlines Center here in Dallas has them. So I would I would bet that many of the CPSN pharmacies in Texas didn't get them either. I mean, some of the smaller rural ones might have, but not a lot of. No, them. it's only only eleven states have CPSN mm-hmm. right now. Really, it went from six to eleven. It went from six states to eleven states just this week. So there's not a lot. Health Mart only has like six, seven states too. But I think you hit you, you hit the nail on the head there. They took those doses and they put them as federal pods. Like it's now it's it's federal. Like, we have a federal pot across the street from us, too. Right. So FEMA, yeah. kind of. Yeah, FEMA's the same. We'll just do it ourselves instead of sending it out to, to other providers. I, I think. that's I, I'm speculating. Right. That works reasonably well in hugely populated areas. It works really poorly outside of that. Well, I, I don't agree. The, the model doesn't make sense. They could have gave it to independents all over the state. We could have been done by now in a lot of areas. I mean, I had an interview with one of the news channels the other day and they're like, you know, Joe Biden says he's going to have a, you know, the president's going to have a, uh, an initiative to vaccinate homebound patients in the next couple months. I'm like, by the time he does that, I'll be done. Like right. our other, our other colleagues, independents, we could have been done doing this for months. Um, but now this week, about four or five other independents in the state of Florida have gotten shots through the department of health. Yeah. More of a grassroots, you know, spread it to more people with, you know, rather right. than trying to, because I think here, like, they're doing it in a group, like Tarrant County, doing a big deal, and they have, like, 500,000 waiting line. Right. Yeah, well, and one of, so I live in Denton County, and when you have Dallas and Fort Worth, you kind of have Dallas County, Tarrant County, and then a lot of the, the northern ones split all over the place. So you've got Denton County, Collin County, and Denton County was so bad at it that Collin County was actually pulling overflow to handle the older populations because Denton just did such a poor job of it. Um, Dallas County is doing reasonably okay. It's just. It's a big backlog. Yeah, I think they have right. a 600,000. 700. Back, I'm, yeah. I think I'm at like 701,000 on the waiting list at the moment. The challenge with a lot of the federal pharmacy program, the reason why I like Health Mart and CBS doesn't have a got it yet is because they have to show they can move a certain amount of doses. And this is what I got from a, a pretty high up at, at Health Mart. They have to prove they can move thousands of doses every week and someone in the state has to have the deep freezer 
for the Pfizer. Mm -hmm. And that's where we're having challenges. Because the most of the federal is the Pfizer? Well, maybe that'll it's change. All, it's when all the... Pfizer. Yes, yes. So that's historically it's been all Pfizer. So a store has to be your hub in the state to receive all of it and then send it out to other stores. And they've been struggling with that, I believe. But now that the federal has bought the J&J, &J, maybe there'll be more of that. Well, and Arkansas did a really great job with the Pfizer distribution. They had like 11 pharmacies in the state where they were hubs and they spoke them out just like that. Yeah, I think Arkansas did a lot with independence. Yeah, Ar Arkansas did it entirely with independence. Huh. Or community pharmacy, it's rather. Interesting. Trying to figure out how to get my son vaccinated in Fayetteville. They have Arkansas has manufacturing, so and he works in a foam plant mm. uh, as an engineer, uh, as an intern. So, And they're having trouble getting chemicals for foam. Matter of fact, what they're doing is trying to figure out how do I make foam out of different chemicals than we're making it today. They make foam right. for like mattresses like Casper mm -hmm. and purple and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. One of my professors in, in undergrad when I was a chemical engineer um, worked for Dow and they had a distribution problem and she made a different type of packing peanut out of a different material and they funded her lab for life. Very like, cool. Oh. I was like, so she was not poor um, and her lab at UT is funded indefinitely by Dow Chemical. Huh. So she a chemist? Chemical, chemical engineer. engineer. Okay. Yeah. Wow. What was so special just, about the peanut? Um, it was like 30% less um, material material, and the material wasn't as toxic as the previous versions of packing peanuts. So you just get Kyle to make a, a new set of foam and um, yep. set for life. So it's, it's that easy. Then, yeah. yeah, it's just that just, easy. So just, no problem. Dip, dip, just check. It's not like no you need pressure. a PhD. Check, check, or, check, set. But, uh, just have to be a little creative with I mean, chemicals. He's a key, right? Just will it to happen. That's just right. Just... <laughs> Just it's going to happen. Yeah, he's going through a deal right now. I mean, he's graduating, and there's just a lot less people looking. You know, this internship he's got in Fort Smith, but a lot less people looking for jobs, looking to hire people. Right. And, and a lot of the plants are having trouble getting supplies to make stuff, so they're kind of frozen. He Interesting may, times he might actually He might actually start on his PhD. I just keep right. looking, right? You know, you can just start on it, keep looking, and look till you find something. And that's how I ended up in pharmacy school. I didn't, I thought I wanted to do research and I did not want to work in oil and gas in Houston. So no chemical engineering for me. Yeah. You, you, you would you probably not like to make foam either. No, no. I like to sleep on foam, but not to make <laughs> foam. It's pretty cool. They have a big showroom. Like you're going to a retail store or something where you, you can walk through and just choose. They have all kinds of different samples of foam. So people going in to build different things, uh, um, Different manufacturers who need foam come through there, and they they just sample different, and they decide what kind of foam they want with different properties, and it's all interesting. So, the is there a, is there a the plastic world. showroom that your wife? Yeah, can... no, there is for sure. They're all over the place. They're out of Minnesota and everything, but they mail like these blends. They call them. they're like resins and uh, different colors, different. You know, they're the same type of thing with foam. They can't make the they can't get the resin anymore the way it used to be. Like it's crazy. It's like the whole manufacturing. And the whole country is just changing because they just couldn't keep up. I don't know. It's like, I don't know how it worked. But so they send resins out to everyone. They're always sampling stuff. But she's like, right now, no one can get black or white plastic resin. Yeah. Well, what happened is everybody's That's sitting scary. at home buying stuff online <laughs> that they don't need <laughs> to give themselves little Christmases every day. They're just, yeah. out, just, just stripping out supply. It's not even just COVID, you know, having problem with factories. Uh, you know, like the chip problem in the United States is like 
you know, they make it in Taiwan and Samsung makes chips and that's pretty much about it. And they just can't keep up with it. Yeah. So, it's amazing. So well, it'll, it'll just aluminum so, cans, right? Like there was a, a shortage of aluminum cans. So like Coke and Dr. Pepper only, they stripped down to only make their, their core products. So you couldn't find like Coke zero cherry for like six months. Also like craft beer were having trouble allocating aluminum. So a lot of them went to glass bottles. Huh. Well, and Dasani, they, I, they've gone to like the cheaper looking bottles, like the Ozarka. Yeah. Well, they're yeah, just trying over. to shave money on plastics. Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah. And they've made some, well, and also the environment. Yeah. So like the, the caps are now half as high and the, the plastics. When you try to open and then you it, open it, it explodes, you, you open all, it explodes over you. all over you. Yep. These are first world problems. We, <laughs> yes, we these are <laughs> problems right. with yeah, our yeah, bottled yeah. water. We don't use bottled water. I have a, I have, I have glass. <laughs> I, I saved the world, and I just don't drink water. I just don't drink water. So what uh, is in that glass, then? It's it's well, water. <laughs> <laughs> Sad. Uh, well, Eric, thank you for spending the hour with us and visiting with us, uh, visiting especially with Jeff and I again. There, there, there's your trip for compounding. Go to Florida. Yeah. Go have well, some I mean, bourbon. As soon as yeah. I can travel. Eric, Eric will drink some bourbon with you. Have bourbon, we'll travel. <laughs> I got plenty. Just drive around the state, drink bourbon. What, what's, your, like what's, your, what's your favorite bourbon? Ooh, that's a good question. Uh, I do like Blanton's and Angel's Envy, probably. But I do like yeah. a lot of rye too. So, nice. but there's I, a. Have I, you I, tried my, Chat? Have you tried Chattanooga rye? I have. It's fantastic. It's nice. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But um, the Angel's Envy rye is just out of this world. And then Basil Hayden's got some nice darks too, mm-hmm. and some other ones that they have. That's just like a nice drink in bourbon. But um, yeah, yeah, I have had that. It's fantastic. Yeah, I've, I've been going in between the. I've been on the a rye kick lately, but I've been drinking the Chattanooga, and then obviously the Michter's rye is. Oh yeah, always stellar. Yeah, I just have the, sourcing it. Maybe there's a bourbon shortage too. Oh, there definitely is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's yeah been, we, all, we don't know why there's an alcohol shortage. There's, yeah, a, we, there's, yeah. a, there's yeah. an overconsumption. It's it's completely inexplicable, <laughs> but there is a problem finding bourbon. Yep. And in, in Texas right now, bourbon's just like all over the place. Well, and just, bourbon has gotten, yeah. it has gotten Super popular. more and more popular. So yeah. not only do you have an increase in people who, right. who, uh, who are drinking bourbon, you just have a... You have an interest increase. And interest a, increase and a consumption increase. Correct. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I mean, my buddy works from home. I mean, a lot of my buddies work from home now. It's crazy. And all they do is just, they're done at 2 o'clock and they're drinking. Yep. I don't know how they can do it. I'm glad I'm at work. I'm glad I'm at work. I'm like, Rachel, this is the best thing in the world that my job is still outside or outside be a disaster. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Eric. It was great seeing you again. And thank you for your time. And uh, Thank you for joining us. Yeah, I appreciate it. Look forward to seeing you again. Yeah, thanks again. Y'all have a good one. Thanks. thanks. All right. Thank Bye-bye. you. Thank you for watching the Catalyst Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider liking, subscribing, and or following us. Give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts to help us reach more amazing pharmacy people like you. Follow PioneerRx on your preferred social media platform for the latest up-to-date pharmacy news and content.